This is the Champagne and Socks podcast. I'm Elisa. Last knitting episode, I mentioned some stash diving that I did recently, and that was to have a look for the rest of the yarn for my log cabin blanket, but also to find some appropriate skeins to start knitting the crowdfunding rewards. While I was there, I was having a bit of a look around to see what actually is in the stash. The lovely Brenda Dane calls that the airing of her stash, and she likes to do that regularly, I think in spring. So that's always been something that I thought would be a really nice idea, but brings quite a level of anxiety and panic. Stash diving last week was no different, and in fact, I ended up having to go and have a lie down because I had a little bit of a panic attack. That's always an interesting experience to have a look at and unpick what exactly about that was giving me anxiety. I was looking through my stash, and I have sort of I have a sort of sedimentary layers of yarn stash. The top layer, which is in this gorgeous cane basket that I managed to acquire at a a previous time in my life and that I've always imagined would be sitting next to a log fire in a beautiful, comfy sitting room and would either have lots and lots of pairs of knitted slippers or would be filled with works in project or the latest work in project that I would just pick up and knit in front of the fire. I live in quite a warm warm place we don't fires aren't really a thing that we have it doesn't really get cold enough for long enough in the year to even really justify that and uh, I've been having that dream for about 10 years and it hasn't happened yet but I really love this basket and it evokes that (laughs) and inside that basket I have a mix between projects that I genuinely believe I am about to cast on for some things in there in that category have been there for five years or more Yarn that I have recently acquired that I did not cast on immediately but believe should not be in deeper stash. And then some most recently abandoned works in progress where most recently abandoned can stretch two to three years ago and some very favourite yarn that's just there because it's my very favourite yarn. So when I picked that up and rifled through that, because I believe that might be where some of the log cabin yarn was, I sort of thought, oh, I want to use that. And, oh, yes, I'm going to be knitting on that. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yes, that's right. And I should be making myself a getting things done list for all of this. And then I picked that up and put that to the side. And then I had a look in deeper stash. And I think I have three deep 60 or 90 litre plastic crates with lids that hold the stash they are divided into the very bottom one is yarn that I don't really like or is in colors that I no longer like is in colors that I bought because they were on sale and never liked or is is made out of a yarn that I actually don't like I almost never look in that box that box is very rarely it even gets the box on top of it taken off to have a look in and see what's in there And this time I didn't even go in and have a look. But it was just there and there were feelings related to that box. I think there's also a lot of baby yarn in there that I bought specifically for a time in my life that is not now where I was knitting frantically and doing baby projects. This was long before I even had met my husband. But I had a, I knit a lot of baby garments, mostly booties, but 
hats and a couple of other things and then I was selling them online and at local craft markets and stuff basically sold very little you can't really sell heart handmade stuff for remotely what it costs you in time you kind of hope that you sell it to recoup what it cost you in resources it was totally a bust as a business idea but was this time in my life where I was just frantically knitting I was like knitting for life it was partly about just completely ignoring everything else in my life like I literally would knit probably eight hours a day I was in complete denial about a whole bunch of things in my life and also had this feeling of completion because baby things are really really quick to complete uh, the reason that I mentioned this knitting for life is that it reminds me of this book that I, I read a while ago and I keep meaning to get back to and reread called Quilting Lessons, Notes from the Scrap Bag of a Writer and Quilter. It's written by Janet Catherine Burlow, and I've talked about it on my blog before because it's this really interesting experience. Uh, the author is an academic. She's actually an academic in American Native women's crafts, and she was supposed to be writing a book and got writer's block and ended up picking up quilting as a hobby she'd never quilted before and then quilted for life I think that's actually her phrase for about a year she was like I had a complete mental breakdown and all I could do was quilt and she talks a lot about how being immersed in the colors was therapeutic and also just spending 12 hours a day either cutting fabrics up for things or frantically piecing together she makes these amazing quilts which are really kaleidoscopic and non-conventional they're asymmetrical and they're very much unplanned they feel in some ways and you could imagine how that would be completely therapeutic when when you just cannot you cannot intake anything more from from the world at large that's a really great book I recommend it's a series of essays that she wrote during that time so she in fact was able to write essays about quilting and about her life and in some ways I guess that was her counseling process but wasn't able to write her academic papers that she had to write I love this book it's called quilting lessons notes from the scrap bag of a writer and quilter and I highly recommend it just in terms of it's an interesting book in itself, but also in terms of understanding, which I've said and a few of you have given me feedback about, about really needing to immerse yourself in either touching craft fabrics of some kind or also colour, just the colour play and how therapeutic that is. It makes so much sense when you think about how devoid a lot of our everyday life can get being immersed in the digital world and the humdrum of that whole maze that you get caught on. I was immersed in this knitting thing a while ago now and I understand it so much better now that I'm a decade out from it but it was only really recently that I was able to actually de-stash a lot of the I, I was buying acrylic yarn because it was cheap I could have lots and lots of colors I could have a full range of colors to knit anything that I wanted it washes really well for babies clothes so that that was good too but as well as that I had bought some finer baby yarns that were more expensive and so I didn't really feel able to just part with that so a, a little bit of that is still left in that box and really now that I've been talking to you about it I understand some of the feelings in relation to that I feel like I spent so much money on it I can't just give it away but at the same time it has negative associations so why am I keeping it that's an interesting question and above that, the two boxes above that are mostly, when I looked at them, 
they are mostly sock yarn club skeins. I think that's really interesting because I almost am incapable of not subscribing to a yarn club and yet I almost never knit either the pattern or the yarn that comes with it. So I like the idea of being sent something that somebody else has curated but I almost never like the colourway that they've sent me or the pattern that's come with it. So the few that I did knit from the Blue Moon Fibre Arts Rocking Sock Club that they had, I usually just use the yarn and then knit a standard sock pattern. I've got a few different ones in there. There's several years worth of the Blue Moon Fibre Arts one and there is also the Cookie A, a year's worth of hers and possibly one other in there. I ended up just having to prevent myself from joining any more sock clubs because of what I've just said. But also I feel like, well, they are beautiful yarns and they are beautiful colorways, even if they're not mine, that I often feel like, well, but I'll make that for someone and it will be a gift for someone. And and they might like that colour. I look at a lot of them, I think, oh, that would be that person or that would be that person. So a lot of them I have gifted if I've made them. And so I feel like I'm justifying it that way. And yet I've invested a lot of cash into these things. They're usually not cheap to belong to. And so I, again, have that, well, I spent a lot of money on it, so I need to feel bad about having spent so much money by making it somehow useful but at the same time, I don't really love the colours. And then, you know, are you even going to love knitting up something that you don't really love the colours of? There's that push-pull. And so those are my, that's my stash. And that's actually a really sad tale of stash. If you told me this tale of stash, I would actually make you de-stash. And while I was going stash diving to find different colourways for what people had requested for the knitting items that I'm making for them, and I did find a couple of Um, choices for each of them because I have an extensive yarn stash I was thinking that I should de-stash or I should knit these things up and gift them since I'm not going to enjoy them as much as other people might and I was putting certain people in mind from different skeins and then I thought and then that'd be great because then I would have a whole free box here and I could put my fabric stash in there and I would have less stash and that would be a good thing and that's where I had my panic attack that's at the point where I just started to like shallow breathe, feel a bit off, have to go and lie down and then like none of it's been packed away. I just like shut the door and left. I think I genuinely panicked about the idea of having less stash but that is like in complete, it's in complete contradiction to the other feelings and I had to think about it for a couple of days and I, and I talked about it with a couple of different people because I often, I've been talking so much here about de-stashing. It's a project for 2015. I want to have less. And, you know, intellectually I know that if I use up what I have, that will enable me to buy more things. And I don't like the idea of having projects that I've already decided that I'm going to make because that would be like time in the future that I've already reserved for this thing that I've already decided in the past, which like limits the number of choices and options that I have at some unknown future time, all of which is highly intellectual way of like thinking about life. But anyway, in the end, I realized that one of the things that I would really love to have, one of the things on my wish list of life is to have a craft studio. So in my studio, it would be, you know, a really big room, maybe the size of a garage carport or something. And it would be, it would have like a massive island table in the middle 
that you could use as your cutting board or any kind of if you need to lie out pieces of something if you wanted to work at one end and then leave it all laid out and then work at the other end there would be a lot of space so that you could lie things down but also still have work room that kind of thing but there would also be lots of like supplies yeah because that's a studio so any artist needs to have a full array of all the colours of whatever the medium is that they work in so that at any point in time when they go to create stuff, they can just like go and select what they need in the supply area and then create, right? That makes perfect sense. And when I was thinking about it like that, I was thinking that's the point of a stash. And that's what I've been saying to Alex all this time is that like a stash is, oh, I really want to go and make this project and it's Sunday afternoon, do I have something that fits in with the pattern? Do I? And then you can go rifling through. Or when Catherine was here the other day and she wanted to knit something, I went and found her yarn and she felt bad because she was taking it out of my stash. But it's my supply cupboard, you know, like it's like, oh, this will go with that. Here you go. And that's not such a weird thing for crafters to do. I don't think, I, I, I don't know if that's your experience, but I've often been on the receiving end of that where someone will come out and say, oh, look, this fabric matches that. There you go. That's why I've been keeping it, obviously, because it goes perfectly with your feature piece there done, you know? And there's like not some kind of a now you owe me $6.50 or whatever. It's like that's why I've been keeping it clearly. Now it's found its home. And so in thinking about it, I really need to rethink about my idea of what my stash is what it is is the beginning of my supply cabinet and so it's not projects that I've got already lined up that I need to complete so I can get some gold star of completion at the end if I decide not to do the project that I was thinking about that's totally okay too and that really there shouldn't be this feeling of pressure from that cupboard in my craft room of here is all these things that you haven't done yet because that's what your in-tray at work is for. That's not what your craft cupboard is about. I might not love those colours now, but they might work perfectly with something that I really love that needs a secondary colour later. And that in my dream of my craft studio, that would just be a wall of colour and you wouldn't think anything about it because you don't have to use everything in the supply closet. It's just there in case you need it later. It's totally fine. Let me know what your stash non-problems are or your stash problems. We can like talk about them together. I should mention that I post photos over on Instagram and my Instagram name is Girlie Jones Adventures, G-I-R-L-I-E, Jones Adventures. If you're wanting to follow along on a project as I'm doing it or if I didn't post all the photos in the show notes, that's where they'll be. You've been listening to the Champagne and Socks podcast, a twice-weekly podcast of all things craft, dropping Tuesdays and Thursdays. You can now subscribe via iTunes, leave a review if you like, join the craft circle and tell us what you're working on this week. Email me at champagneandsocks at gmail.com or find me on Twitter as Champagne Socks. I'm over on Ravelry as Girlie Jones. Also find the Ravelry group, Champagne and Socks. Finally, photos and links for this episode can be found in the show notes at champagneandsocks.com. Speak to you later.